I'm your host, Veronica Thompson, and welcome back to another amazing, fabulous, interesting, all-around, great episode of Above the Mean, a podcast about individuals actively pursuing their passions and pushing themselves to be better than the standard in order to stand out. This is the second episode in my little South by Southwest series. You'll notice a little mess up in the beginning that I decided to keep in the audio instead of editing it out to showcase just how, or really just to show that it's okay to mess up. We're literally only human. And so you just kind of take that L and keep going because the rest of the interview was amazing. So a little reminder not to let small temporary moments of awkwardness stop you from being successful. What is up, guys? Today I am joined by Dorian De La Fuente, aka Baby Boy, hey. who is an up and coming musician <laughs> as well as the house mom for the House of Lepore, which is about to be making history this upcoming March as they participate in the first ever South by Southwest official ball. Yes. That is so exciting. Um, there's so much that I want to know about you. You really seem like a very multi-talented individual. I just want to know first, let's start off with your come up. Like, how was growing up? Ooh, well, I don't know if you want to... So I'm not the house mom of Lepore. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I love this. We're finding new things yeah. out. Um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm one of the founding members, and I'm a board member. But um, there's only one mother, and that's... Uh, Legendary overall mother, uh, Natalie Girl Six Lepore. Ooh, um, okay. Yeah. That makes sense now with the name. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, so what was it? No, I love this. Okay, <laughs> this is how we do live shows because right. I love learning. Wait, so what? What was your childhood like, Dorian? What was? What were you like as a kid? Um, I was a really artistic kid. I like grew up doing all sorts of. Like, I played the viola for, like, eight years. Me too. Yeah, you played the viola? Yes, I played because my mother made me. I hated it, but I liked really? it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I liked it too. I liked um, playing, like, a classical instrument. It was different, but it was cool. Um, I also did, like, theater. I recently graduated from UT in acting. So I've been uh, doing theater for a while. Yeah, I just did a lot of shit. I did sports and everything it was it was cool my childhood was good um yeah <laughs> you just sound like you've been like you're a very outgoing and creative person and so i know you're getting ready for south by southwest this march because you're doing two things you're performing and you're doing the ball right um and so i want to know for our listeners who aren't quite as familiar with ball culture um it's really ball culture started, I believe, kind of more so in the underground streets of like New York City in the 1970s, right. where like black and Latina, Latinx, gay, trans and queer people kind of developed their thriving subculture of house balls where they could like express themselves and freely, freely find acceptance within like marginalized communities. So how did y'all get to bring ball culture to Austin? Like, how is that becoming a thing? Right, so um, Girl Six, our mother, she's from the Philly uh, ballroom scene. Oh, okay. Um, so in 2012, uh, mother moved from Philly to San Antonio. 
and she found the first um like central texas house which was the house of kenzo um and then i guess just like differences happened in the and mother ended up leaving and then in 2018 me and her met through a mutual friend and like us as a group of friends created a uh like it was a performance collective originally and we called ourselves the plastic correct the plastic collective and i did music with the house mom i mean not with the house with the collective uh mom vogued we had a burlesque dancer we had choreographers singers designers and oh, stuff. i love it y'all had like a little bit of everything yeah and then in 2020 we decided to rebrand as a ballroom house with girl six natalie taking the position as house mother so house of lapore is different than other houses in texas because we have roots in performance and performing so everyone in the house has like a hustle like everyone has something that they're good at and we like pride ourselves on like helping each other like grow and give each other opportunities and performance opportunities and like just learning from one another and yeah that's how that's how we started and that's where we're at right now and so how does someone get to join a house well the way that we started was me and mom pretty much just like went to the clubs and <laughs> we found people that we thought were sickening like if we thought they had a pretty face we'd be like oh you're walking face or if they look like they had a cute strut we're like oh you're doing runway easy um now that there's so many members in our house now uh it's a little bit of a more selective process so what's great about austin vogue nights now is that it gives like people a monthly thing to come to to just like try it like you could come and learn and then maybe after the first ball watching you could try to walk like after a month of practicing and that's the best place to find a house is at vogue nights because all of the houses are there you could like lay it out on the line and someone's going to be looking at you as long as you make a statement you'll find a house eventually and okay i love balls i've only been to one what do you have like a favorite category that you like to do um, so I walk runway, Butch Queen European runway, and I also walk a category called cunt versus cunt. <laughs> okay, I love that. Wait, I need yeah. you to elaborate a little bit more. <laughs> so cunt, for, cunt versus cunt is for uh, Butch Queens, which is like gay men who are cunt. So it's like whoever has the most cunty look, the most cunty personality. Um, I yeah. love it. So just like very fierce, yeah. like giving off bad bitch vibes. Yeah, it's for the feminine gay boys. The feminine gay boys with like good style and like cunty little attitude. A little sad, <laughs> yeah. a little pizzazz. <laughs> exactly. And I love that. I feel like from what I know about ball culture, I feel like houses like... Honestly, I feel like ball culture really started becoming more into the limelight within the past kind of five years due to people like RuPaul and then you have shows like Pose and RuPaul's Drag Race. And that's kind of like helping to educate people who may not have really known about ball culture before. But I feel like before that, it was really more for like family ties, right? Right. Um, before that, like the biggest thing that I knew, like that was... Like, the biggest media thing that was informative of, like, ballroom culture was Paris is Burning. I hear that's, like, the staple. For- yeah, definitely. Um, and then recently, yeah, with RuPaul using a lot of, like, references to ballroom culture and then, obviously, Pose and Legendary now on HBO Max. Um, oh, I haven't seen that one yet. Yes, you need to see it. It's <laughs> so good. It's so good. And they just got renewed for another season, so the third season now. I hope it keeps going because it's a really good show. 
does it just kind of like really accurately portray like what it's like it does it's obviously like sensationalized a bit for like um TV you know purposes, right tv yeah. purposes but it does a really good job and laomi is sort of like the lead judge and laomi is like an icon in the ballroom scene for uh like femme queen performance so she does a really good job of like breaking it down and like teaching the audience along the way and yeah and so i love that do you feel that like how do you feel or have you noticed a change since ball culture has kind of started becoming more mainstream because i feel like now with pose coming out like three years ago i've seen so many people started voguing recently like just kind of doing different things and what i love about ball culture is it's a very safe space for people to come and express themselves yeah well i'm definitely new to ballroom also Um, i've only been walking for maybe like a year a little bit less who kind of introduced you into like that ball culture uh it was mother natalie um yeah she 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 does a good job of like uh we practice like every week she she's like really like a great mother she's really um she teaches us pretty much everything (laughs) so you do do you remember like your first ball that you walked in yeah um it was when was it like last march in dallas yeah how can you like walk us through that how was that experience for you um oh my god it was very nerve-wracking because the like the kiki ballroom scene in dallas is like very serious so <laughs> i was like oh my god i this is like pretty intense i, <laughs> I looked crazy but <laughs> but i did it and that's the thing about ballroom is like it takes a lot of confidence just to go out there and like put yourself on the line like it's a scary feeling but if you do it, then no one can really say anything. <laughs> and that's something I love because I was going to talk to you about, I feel like I know I want to get deeper into your music later. Doing music and doing balls, you need to be a very confident person. And I feel like you're a very confident person. Where would you say that you got your confidence from? Um, I probably, I've been like performing all of my life. So like, it feels like I don't know when you put yourself out a lot uh it eventually starts to melt away like that feeling of insecurity because i've embarrassed myself definitely a lot of times so i'm like whatever this is like this is nothing like i could find a way even if i embarrass myself i could turn it into something on stage you know yeah um it's about the way you play it off i guess um like fake it till you make it mentality yeah you have to like just really believe that you're it (laughs) and if if you believe it there's nothing anyone could tell you um and yeah and a a lot of that is attributed to when i joined the plastic collective um because it was my first time being around like a lot of like artistic queer people um so like seeing other queer people who are empowered by themselves it's like oh you empower me like just you being you makes me feel stronger and like me feeling strong makes her feel stronger and them feel stronger so it's like yeah having a family like a queer family is uh very beneficial to you know that fearless attitude (laughs) i love that and so you talk about having a just like feeling connected with your family and like the society of ball culture when did you come out to Um, your family i came out to like my biological family in, I want to say it was like my second year of college, first year of college. 
it wasn't the greatest circumstances. I was dating a guy and just like ended badly. So I had to like, (laughs) they like knew. So I had to tell them. Um, But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't um, super bad. My mom had like iffy feelings, but over the last few years with like my music and everything, she sees like how far I've come and like how like, confident i am now that she's like okay work like (laughs) she's like you know if it's what you're good at and what you're like happy doing then cool yeah like live your best life yeah like and i really love your music because i feel like it kind of goes hand in hand with your participation in ball because it's very like alluring and very energetic which i feel like is very similar to ball culture and so when did you start making music um, I started making music in 2018 also. Well, before House of Lepore was House of Lepore, like I mentioned, we were the Plastic Collective. Um, and when I originally joined the Plastic Collective, I was the photographer for the house. Um, or not the house, the collective, sorry. And we would throw um, parties every week throughout summer of 2018. Oh. So uh, the live performance acts... Uh, the way that we just like split up door price and everything, they were getting paid a little bit more. And I was living in Austin at the time. So I was like, if I'm going to be driving like back and forth city to city, I want to like, you know, make more you money. You want to make it worth it. Right. Yeah. And so I uh, approached them and I was like, oh, well, I want to start performing also. And they were like, well, what can you do? And like, I've had like this background and acting and stuff but i can't like do a monologue at the club <laughs> <laughs> i mean you could, <laughs> I could, but... <laughs> I could right <laughs> um so i've always like loved female hip-hop and i would always just like go on snapchat and freestyle and stuff um find beats and just like upload it to twitter and so i was like oh i'll start rapping or making music and they were like okay bet do it so uh, it felt almost like a workshop. Like every week I would write something and perform it. And like just doing it back to back helped me to like, uh, I guess, strengthen my lyrical like <laughs> capabilities. Abilities, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's pretty much how I got my start after doing that for a while. Then I started um, recording music because uh, I was just like doing it live. Oh, that's interesting. I feel like you started with the harder one first. Yeah. I feel like the recording <laughs> process may be easier and then you're like, then you do it live. But I like that. You started hard first. Yeah. I was just performing freestyles every week with like beats that I would find on YouTube. And then eventually, the more I did that, people would see me and uh, people would like offer to produce for me and stuff because they were like, wow, you're like pretty good. So it sort of like fell into place that way. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah. And then... The first track I made was called, what was it? Go Insane, featuring Aisha Radka. That was at the end of 2018. I was actually listening to you before. Um, I think your, my favorite one was, uh, where it's like, give me that, give me that, give me that. Yes, Miss Bitch. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and so where would you say like your passion for music stems from? Hmm. Um... That's a good question. Probably growing up, there was just always music playing in the house. My parents aren't musicians or anything, but my mom did put me in orchestra when I was like, I think eight or nine. So just like doing that, um, 
I guess I fell in love with like rhythms and beats and stuff. <laughs> and, like the technical like, aspect yeah, of it. Yeah. And having like a classical background really helps translate into like everything like that you do. Oh, I could see that because, yeah, it's like the fundamentals. Yeah. Um, so I think that's it. And then I've always uh, loved like femme rap and hip hop and stuff so i just sort of like i was like why don't i try it i could do that <laughs> i love that who who are some like musical icons that you look up to Ooh, definitely Nicki minaj i love Nicki. barbs for life <laughs> Barb, yes um gaga uh azealia banks Ooh, who else do i love i like brooke candy little kim Ooh, that's um, an og yeah the first album that I bought was uh, The Miseducation by Lauren Hill. So I love Lauren Hill. Um, I feel like she doesn't get enough credit for being the baddest female rapper. Right. Because yeah. she really was. And then the group that she was with. Uh, the Fugees. Yes. Yeah. Like Lauren Hill really, I feel like, set a trailblaze for like she walked so that we could run right. like a lot of female artists. That's why that's how I started listening to like femme rap is because the first album that I got is with what my dad gave me. And it was the score by the Fugees and he would play it all the time. And I remember always listening into it when I was young and like hearing Lauren and being like, oh, my God, this girl is so talented. And she was kind of like the standout of the group. So I was like, that's why when I finally had money, I bought her album first because I was like, oh, I love her. I love that. <laughs> yeah. She really was the standout of the group. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so your performance for South by, are you excited? How did you how did you get that? Like for any aspiring artists listening in, like how did you come into that position? Um, I guess just performing all the time <laughs> in Austin. I like every like performance opportunity that I get. I I pretty much take. Um, nowadays I'm like you have to you know pay me <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> a little more selective. But when I first started, I was like taking. I was like, oh, you want me to perform? You want me to perform? Okay, I'll perform. I'll I'll do it right now. Um, and then yeah, I sort of like built up a hustle that way. And like uh, an audience, I guess, that way. Um, and then in 2020, we were actually supposed to do South By as a house and me as a solo artist as well. Oh, wow. Um, but because of COVID, it was canceled. <laughs> right. Uh, Miss Corona. Now that's a bitch right there. <laughs> I know. Uh, so we're pretty much just like picking up where we left off. And so... You're performing and you're doing ball. What is y'all's ball performance at South by going to look like? Is it going to be like a typical like ball competition? Ooh, so I actually can't give like too many details about it right now. <laughs> I love it. Top secret. I respect <laughs> it. Yeah, but soon when I get the okay, I could talk more about like the categories and like the structure because it's going to be a little bit different than what Austin has seen before. But it's going to be very over, epic, ah. <laughs> fab. Oh, I'm living for it. Yes. And then so, okay, so the ball, a little hush, hush, hush. Right. But what about your music when you're performing at South by? Oh, yes. So I actually, I, it's, I think it's been like a year and a half since I last released music. It's been a while. Um, but like with COVID, I just like really wasn't feeling inspired by anything. I can't really put myself in like the mind space to do that if i just don't 
if I'm like not feeling like cunty. Yeah, like if you're yeah. not feeling yourself, if you're right. not really getting energetic about it. Exactly. I like I need to be out and like doing things and experiencing things and like that's how I get like inspiration to write. So recently I started writing again and I'm gonna uh release a project by South by. Okay, awesome. And so when you write music, what do you look to for inspiration? Ooh, I think I just well, I like to feel sexy. <laughs> so um Who doesn't? <laughs> right, exactly. And I like my audience to feel like empowered. So anything that is like really strong and like using sex and sexuality as form of power is like a theme that I always go back to. And I really like that because I feel like a lot of people look at things that are like really sexualized as like promiscuous or see it as like taboo and they kind of shy away from it where I feel like you kind of go head on to it. Right. Well, I feel like being a queer person, like sex is sort of like always been our like liberation thing. Like it's the thing that we have, you know, Really. <laughs> like queer people, like our sex is like important to us <laughs> you know like i don't know i don't know how to explain but yeah i love to <laughs> no i find that interesting yeah for me i feel like growing up even with like learning sex education it's very you learn the basics right. and then it's like very much like you don't really talk about it with anyone right. or like maybe you'll talk about it with like your close friends but mm. other than that you're just kind of like keeping stuff to yourself yeah. or like learning like on the internet right especially gay sex like they don't <laughs> that's not like in textbooks anywhere <laughs> really or at least it wasn't when i was like in school so i feel like queer sex has always been like a form of protest almost especially when you speak about it publicly because i yeah. feel like a lot of people have opinions about just like things in that regard or like how i guess people should I don't know. I feel like it's interesting because I feel like with our generation, we're much more open. Right. But I feel like older generations are still very conservative and mm -hmm. very much more like, mm, we shouldn't talk about this. Definitely. Yeah. But we should. We definitely should. <laughs> <laughs> and so one thing I want to know. So I was kind of just jumping all over the place. So you had talked about your house mom is the one who kind of introduced you into ball culture. Can you talk a little bit about like what is a house mom's duties? Like I feel like for people who don't quite fully understand like the structure of like what it takes to, I guess, have a ball house. Or right. um, well, house mother's job really, it really is like taking the position of a mother. A lot of people who join houses don't have a great relationship with their biological family because they're queer um so a house mother takes you in um it's not often that like the children live like actually live in the same house as the house parents but if your child is you know down and out they might stay with you they like you might be feeding your children it's like you're basically their guardian you're their like person that they go to for advice and for um i don't know just like to kind of feel that like i guess role of leadership right you would say. to yeah to feel home pretty much um and the way that lapore operates because not every house operates as a family <laughs> a really? lot of a lot of houses are a lot like sports teams because in which way um well because balls are are competitive right they're like uh 
competition. So a lot of houses are formed for the purpose of it being like we're here to practice and like, you know, it's oh, like like that we're just that here mentality. To win, to yeah. Mentality. Okay. Like you may like you may not even see your house parent like for most of the year. <laughs> oh. But like maybe yeah, y'all just I practice and stuff. Right. But Lepore is very, very family oriented. We are with each other all the time. <laughs> They're like my real brothers and sisters and bristers. And yeah, I love it. I love that. I really do. Because I feel like like friends, like that's the family you get to choose. Right. And so it's like they're the ones who are really there for you, who are like usually seeing what you're going through on a day to day basis and mm-hmm. can like relate to the most. Yeah. And so that's awesome that you were able to kind of find that community here in Austin. And are you an Austin native? Uh, I'm from San Antonio. Oh, okay. Yeah. I moved here like three years ago, I think. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And so what are a few misconceptions that you might be able to debunk that people might have about like ballroom or drag or things of that nature or like anything in the queer community? Hmm. What are some misconceptions about ballroom? Probably that it's like, hmm, is that a misconception? (laughs) I'm Mm. like, I guess that it's constantly like catty. It can be at the balls, but when you're with your family, it's very like, loving you know yeah but um you know the balls are competitive so people talk shit (laughs) (laughs) i mean it ain't funny if you ain't talking shit right um maybe that's the maybe one of the big okay probably the biggest misconception about ballroom is that um people think dips are called death drops (laughs) (laughs) that's um miss rupaul's doing (laughs) but yes folks it's called a dip, not a death drop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I actually, do. I literally studied up a little bit on different like forms and categories. I feel like one thing that I learned that I was really surprised to find out was because I thought that ballroom was mainly for just people in the queer community or like right. drag queens. But I didn't realize like girls can participate, oh, yeah. like cis girls can participate in ballroom as well. Yeah, cis women pretty much anyone could participate in ballroom it's not often that like straight cis men participate but i'm sure they do yeah (laughs) i mean they're well yeah Yeah. um but yeah there's a there's a spot pretty much for every queer identity in ballroom and see that's really interesting because i feel like it's something that's definitely becoming more like in the forefront as in like a lot more people are finding out about ballroom culture but i feel like a lot of people still don't know too much about it right or like even more so more importantly the history about it and like how it kind of came to be Mm -hmm. it's a definitely a growing um what's the word i'm looking for thing (laughs) (laughs) a growing thing i'm excited to see it's like really taking over so quickly especially like with all these shows that were mentioned um i'm excited to see what's next i think it's gonna like get bigger especially here in austin like the the like response that we get to every ball is so crazy like people in austin and central texas in general because people come from san antonio um dallas houston all over to walk the balls and with like south by southwest being the first um kiki ball thrown it's gonna 
I think it's gonna like turn into something like big, like full production, high like high production value stuff. So I'm excited to see how that plays out in the near future. No, me too. I definitely agree with you that it's definitely on the forefront. Do you have any interesting stories from balls? Ooh, I don't know. Not yet, but there's um, there's a couple of balls happening in Dallas in next weekend. Not this upcoming weekend, but next weekend. And um, right now, the current number of people in our house is around 40 <laughs> is that like like what would be an average number to like base it off of that's probably like we're probably one of the bigger kiki houses in texas so probably like around 20 to 30 also we're in the kiki uh kiki league i guess you would say there's uh, there's kiki balls and then there's mainstream balls okay and so for people who may not know kiki is kind of more kiki is just like for fun pretty much it's like like friends are getting together and just having fun and like you go to the balls and it's like a little bit lower stakes it's about just being with family and like you know uh, making memories i guess mainstream is more international there's uh, like houses in every major city across america japan paris you know all over the place and I know for more of the like larger balls, people can win money. Like a lot of people can go home with like prizes and stuff like that. Right. The there's money in Kiki uh balls too, but mainstream is definitely like that's where like the big money is. But that's where like all of the very serious serious ballroom girls are. It's a little bit less fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it is uh you know, people some people like love the feeling of like being in a high stake situation situation where it's yeah i love it i mean i i i look you like to gamble so i'm all about the high stakes yes and oh but sorry i didn't even finish my so uh in a couple of weeks we're going to dallas now there's about 40 of us and we're all going to be going and we got a big airbnb that's gonna have like 20 beds in it oh wow (laughs) right so i'm sure a lot of memories. I've never been with that many people <laughs> in a house for a whole weekend. That's like an MTV <laughs> reality show, like dream. Right. I feel like. I'm telling like someone needs to bring a, a video camera because it's going <laughs> to turn it into Bad Girls Club so fast. <laughs> I love it. Someone needs to bring a little New Orleans voodoo doll. Right. <laughs> ah, I got the voodoo for you. <laughs> the voodoo queen. And so, Dorian, one thing that I love about you is when I was I was low key stalking. I'm not gonna lie, I was peeping your Instagram, <laughs> and your fashion, your style is crazy. I love it. It's so unique and it's so out there. Who do you look to for like your fashion inspiration? Ooh, I look to a lot of uh, drag queens. I really like Violet Chosky. I really like Bimini Rambulas. I like Alexis Stone. Say Coulee. I just like like very dramatic silhouettes and stuff. Gaga, Grace Jones, Madonna, even like oh Rihanna. There's like so many fashion icons and like like fashion houses that I constantly look to. I really love like Balenciaga and like Mugler fashion. I like something sexy and sleek. I was like sexy and sleek as well as statement. The three yeah. S's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like all your pieces are very much like, look at me, 
like unapologetically <laughs> this is the bad bitch that i am <laughs> yeah i'm in my little pink track suit right now and i <laughs> love it comfy. i was like i'm i need i was trying to dress cute as like streetwear but yeah. i was like you kind of just outdid me it's fine <laughs> stop thank you <laughs> you're so cute you give me zendaya vibes <laughs> Bro, i'm so glad that this is captured on camera because i be saying i look like zendaya you ask my friends and none of them say i do really wow you They're just made my you. day i know i know the haters gonna hate what what can i say the haters gonna Time hate to get some new friends <laughs> someone who hype me up like you yes thank you yes. <laughs> what quality i feel like because when you perform you're usually like done up hair did makeup done and usually for balls too people kind of have like a different persona or like they kind of take on a whole other essence mm -hmm. do you feel like you do the same with your music like do you feel like you have like a whole like alter ego that you kind of tap into when you perform or is it like all dorian all the time Ooh, well i think like okay there's a big difference between like dorian and baby boy but music baby boy i would say is the same as ballroom baby boy because like music is really like like i said i'm new to ballroom i'm like less than a year in um a lot of my confidence comes from my music because like that's something that i'm more like you know i have like my feet in the sand you know i'm like pretty like rooted and like i know my place in music already mm -hmm. so i try to like take that same uh feeling vibe that that gives me and take it to ballroom um which is a totally different like uh, game essentially so i try to i try to like keep that same energy sometimes it's hard because ballroom is intimidating y'all oh, i bet <laughs> i 100 i mean literally all eyes are on you yeah. i mean but same with like your performance with yeah. yeah i don't know i think just having like a panel of judges <laughs> is like a scary feeling yes because they're literally <laughs> there just to criticize looking, rate, yeah. and yeah judge exactly what is one characteristic or personality trait that you would love to have that your alter ego possesses? Ooh, probably being like super sociable. <laughs> like when I'm not done up, I'm very like reserved. I don't really, I'm, I like staying with my thoughts. <laughs> Sometimes I just like, if I don't know what to say, I just don't say anything. Even if people are like trying to have a conversation with me, if I run out of things to say, I'm just like, mm. okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. Like, I don't feel awkward by silence. So, like, I'm okay with being in a room with someone and being quiet for a long time. But when I'm done up or, like, when I'm at a club or a concert venue whatever, I, like, talk to everyone. So. And why do you think that is? I don't know. Probably just because I want to touch base with everyone. I want to, like, get my name out and I want people to, like, Obviously, like if I'm performing and people are coming to see me, I want to make sure that I'm like talking to everyone who's like making an effort to support me. Yeah. Um, it just feels like the right thing to do. Nice thing to do. Yeah. Like I feel like and that's how you form more genuine connections with people. Exactly. But I definitely understand and feel you when it's like I definitely did not become 
a very energetic or bubbly person. I feel like until really I moved to you moved here to Austin to go to school at UT because mm-hmm. I came from New York. I came from Syracuse, oh. and there was no one else. So I literally had to force myself to yeah. be like outgoing in order to like make friends and meet people. Because otherwise, I would just be at home in the dorms by myself, yeah, nothing exactly. to do, and. I was like, I knew that is not how I was going to make my college memories. Mm-mm. So baby boy, how did, how did you get that? How did you come up with that for your stage name? Um, well, my original stage name was street queer. <laughs> it was like, that was my, like when I was doing photography, the two words that I used to describe my photography style was like streetwear and like queer fashion. So I made my like at name street queer. Oh, makes sense. All right. Connect yeah. the dots. I see it. And then when I started making music, I just took my at, but it just didn't stick. I did not like that name. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it doesn't go as much like, hey, who are you going to go see? Street, Street queer. queer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, was a little, it was a little icky. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so when I was thinking of a name, I was like, I want something that's like simple, memorable, but also I want something that makes me feel sexy. But I also wanted something that was like feminine enough or queer enough that like if a straight man said it or if a straight man called me by my name they would feel like a little uncomfortable so i chose baby boy because i knew that like a a straight man is going to come up to me and call me baby (laughs) boy (laughs) i mean they might but um yeah and i chose the, the spelling of it because like i guess in queer I don't know, spheres, the community, <laughs> underground community, B-O-I is like spelling for like a gender ambiguous mask femme oh, person. I, I love that. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And so one question I wanted to ask was how do you balance dressing femme while still kind of having like, well, I was going to say like body hair, but I see you shaved your stubble from the last time I seen your yeah. music videos. Yeah, definitely. So... You could definitely, like, I think it's interesting when you look back at my posts and my videos um, from the beginning because you could sort of see me coming to terms with, I think, my gender expression. Mm -hmm. So when I first started making music, I was very, like, hairy. I was, was, like, body hair down, and I I was very revealing with it. But in the last year, during COVID, I think I, like, found different facets of myself and, like, I find that now I feel most comfortable um, presenting as more feminine. Um, so like now I like I shave and I wax and I do all that because it makes me feel more, I don't know, confident, I guess. Um, so that's like a new thing <laughs> for me. Um, but yeah, I and I think like like I said, I haven't released music in a year and a half and I have changed so much in a year and a half. <laughs> I feel like the world is changing. Yeah, right. <laughs> the world has changed. And like, I'm inspired by new things now. And like, I don't know. I think my new music is going to be exciting because I've definitely stepped up just like my life in general. So I hope my music reflects like the new person I've become. Can you give us like a little taste, like a little hint of like maybe what's to come in the future for your music Ooh, okay so like i said before south by i'm probably gonna release an ep after that i'm gonna work on a larger project like a like a mixtape i think and i'm going to uh hopefully find representation and start like a 
touring i want to start doing more like opening for larger artists and and uh getting uh spots on like festival lineups and stuff i want to like take it there like i i've i haven't released any project yet this will be my debut i've only released like a handful of singles and sometimes it shocks me because i'm like i think i've what's the word i've done a lot you really (laughs) have i've I've, uh yeah I've, i've like I've been, I've kind of popped off with just releasing some singles. So I think like once I take it there, it's, I'm, I'm going to come hard. Yes, because I feel like just from looking at your stuff and your music, like you get so many different streams and I, you have quite like the fan base already. And so would you attribute that to just mainly like hustling and like going after just different shows like yeah that's it you have to put yourself out there you have to be like on the ground like running you know like get your name out there like no one's gonna do it for you i like i will go to the club and just like introduce myself to everyone and especially in austin like the queer community here there's definitely like a strong art queer art community and it's also a very supportive community so just like meeting people and like collaborating with people we all sort of help each other come up together. And that's like the best thing I would say to people coming up is like you, it's hard to do it alone. You need to unionize, especially if you're like uh, marginalized, if you're in a marginalized community, you need like-minded people to, to help you take the next steps and build yourself. 1000%, I 1000% agree with you because like you had said, if you're not going to do it, who's going to do it for you? Right. And it definitely helps when you have that support from like a fan base of a community right behind you who's wanting to see you succeed, wanting mm-hmm. to see you do like the absolute best. Exactly. What's, I think I want to end, or I want to wind down with what's one thing that you think would shock people if they knew about you? Hmm. What's one thing that would shock people? I don't know. I guess maybe that, like, I am, like, a really sensitive person. (laughs) (laughs) I think that, I think people uh, have, like, a vision of me because, obviously, I present, like, with my music. I present, like, the most confident parts of myself. There's also, like, inherent insecurities with, like, what I do. Like, I am, like, I get nervous leaving my place right (laughs) like just walking down the street could be scary but it's also like an act of protest i'm like if me like me existing is political it's like a political statement when i leave my house and i like remember those things and sometimes i get scared but i'm also like if someone sees me uh like standing in my truth while i'm walking down the street then maybe they'll feel inspired to stand in their own truth if they haven't found it yet. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) So, yeah, it's like I said, you sort of have to fake it till you make it. If you don't believe that you're it, then (laughs) maybe you're not it. (laughs) (laughs) Then you're not going to be it. You're not going to be it. Exactly. Dorian, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like this was so informational I've really learned a lot just of not only about just like the ball culture, but just kind of about like queer culture in general. And I really appreciate you coming on, being vulnerable, transparent, and yeah, just gagging it up, chopping it up with me. Yes. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. Of I course. I haven't done an interview in a while. Really? Yeah. How did, how was this? This was awesome. Okay. Was really good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. It. That makes me happy. Of course.
If you're in the Austin area, definitely go make sure you check out the Dirty South Ball Wednesday, March 16th, which so happens to be tomorrow. You'll be able to see Baby Boy performing as well as History in the Making, the first ball in South by Southwest history. Thank you for listening to another episode of Above the Mean. If you liked it, make sure to comment and subscribe. Don't forget to follow our Instagram. I'll be uploading highlight clips and bonus reels from the podcast. And as always, remember, don't settle for average. Rise above the mean and stand out.